You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yellen. Before we talk to our guest today, Corey and I would like to thank those listeners who have generously helped us with a donation through our website or through Patreon.com. Every donation, big or small, is greatly appreciated, and we thank you very much. But we still have a long way to go, nearly $5,000 actually, to help pay off our startup costs for equipment, our website, technical expertise, and so on. So our first goal is to get that paid off. Hopefully, we're giving you something of value, and in return, we ask you to consider supporting our mission to give a voice to those who have improved their health with cannabis and share their stories to help others. To keep us going, just visit CannabisHealthRadio.com, and you'll find ways to donate on the site. And again, Corey and I are very grateful for your support. Today on the program, we're going to talk to a woman who probably knows more than most doctors about the healing benefits of cannabis and the cannabinoid system within all of our bodies. She has a background as an herbalist and holistic health practitioner. And joining us from California is Robin Swan. Robin, it's good to finally meet you. Corey's told me a lot about you. It's all good. Yeah, it's nice to meet you, too. I'm uh, happy to be on your on your show. I'm happy to be on this side of the mic. <laughs> <laughs> you did a radio program in California, do you not? Right. We had a um, we had a, a cannabis radio show on ESPN AM radio for about a year. And it was really funny because they kept trying to harmonize us. Even though we were a cannabis radio show, none of our advertisers could use the word cannabis in their advertisement. So you can just imagine how excited those people were to put their ad dollars up for something they couldn't talk about. Yeah, what was the motto of the show? We're smoking? <laughs> no, 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 no. We were politically driven. Oh, you know? okay. Like, just seeing what's going on. And, you know, my, my tagline for my life is wake up and die right. So, you know, I'm all just about – cannabis for me is just a vehicle for social change. Robin, as an herbalist and holistic health practitioner, how did you discover the healing properties of cannabis yourself? Well, cannabis has always been prevalent in my life. I come from, uh, you know, a family of growers. I'm, I'm generationally deep in it. My grandmother was making medicines with cannabis when I was a little girl. Uh, we have a, re- a, a remedy called Fire Kitty that, you know, I watched my grandmother make, my Persian grandmother make. She would call it, uh, when she would use the cannabis, she'd call it Bang, B-H-A-N-G, right? Mm-hmm. For years, I didn't know what bang was, like years and years and years. And then finally, in my 20s, I um, asked my one of my aunties, and she was like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? It's marijuana. And I was like, how did my grandmother get freaking marijuana in Connecticut in you know the 1920s and 30s? 
And my aunt looked at me and said, from jazz musicians, of course. <laughs> be so stupid. Like, of course, it came from jazz musicians. And then she would trade them back out that the oil and the, the things that she made. And then my, my paternal grandmother, she also used cannabis to make different remedies, but she called it ditchweed because she was from um, a reservation in North uh, Carolina. She's a... She was Eastern Bend Cherokee. They, she would cut her, um, her ditch weed, which was really probably some version of hemp, you know, wild hemp. Uh, and she would, uh, steep it with lard, like pig lard. <laughs> really? Well, lard used to be uh, very, well, very popular. Extracts the best through fat. So, you know, why not pull it through? So here's my Persian grandmother pulling it through olive oil. And here's my American Indian grandmother pulling it through pig lard. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I meet this man in 2005 named Rick Simpson, another Canadian, and he's pulling it through lighter fluid. And I'm like, what? What the heck? What do you mean you're using naphtha, which is paint thinner, right? So, you know, one thing, the difference, the big difference between Canada and America, there's many of them, but one particularly is that you guys can ingest all of your products and they won't kill you. Over here in America, our marketers are like looking to kill us with all of our products, our cleaning products and things like that. Do you remember the first batch of cannabis oil you made? Yeah, I remember it very well because we made it with uh, Christian Lauer. Uh, what's his last name? Christian Lauder? Lorette? Loiter? Lorette, Christian Lorette and Rick, we were the, I was like the 50th, the 50th person to view the film Run for the Cure. I got on, like I got on it, like immediately I tracked him down and they, uh, at that point, Rick had not been, you know, attacked by 8 billion people claiming to know him or whatever. He was still at that moment, you know, had enough in him to be able to share, you know, he hadn't been overrun by the masses yet. So we uh, hunted down our version of, um, NAFTA, which is basically paint thinner. And we extracted, um, you know, we extracted medicine with it for the first time. And then we did it. We then we moved into isopropyl alcohol. And as we did this learning, because my partner at the time was also a generational herbalist, and we had been making other medicines for, you know, our whole life, basically, extracting other plants, we we were like this, there's something really wrong with petrochemicals and, you know, isopropyl alcohol. And he actually had gotten sick, like almost to the point of death from the, the isopropyl. He had gotten isopropyl alcohol poisoning making medicine and that's pretty scary stuff your body basically begins to shut down and you know it was really awful and very very scary so the second time it happened we were like we have to dig deeper into this there's got this is not the way they were not doing this you know 5,000 years ago they didn't have paint thinner back then they didn't have isopropyl alcohol so we started digging through all of our herbal texts and online and stuff and we came across a recipe that was written in the Arabic text in 600 BC. And it was basically what we do today, which is a, an alcohol extraction of cannabis. 600 BC. 600 BC in the Ayurvedic texts yeah. of um, healing remedies through cannabis. And that's what we looked for. And the Ming dynasty, you know, used it for everything. When you made your first batch, who did you give the oil to? We gave it to a woman who actually a friend of a woman who was a client of mine who had breast cancer and she actually it cleared her in two weeks it was amazing and 
that just really inspired us. So the next thing we did was we realized that we were onto something is we decided to just kind of test it, you know? So, you know, we got on Facebook. This was, oh my gosh, when Corey, 2007, maybe? Like Probably, yeah, because it was, that's... It was a... Oh my gosh, it's so... Time is such a horrible thing. Here it is almost 10 years later. It's almost 10 years that we've been at this, which is pretty exciting because now we're getting enough of a database to really have an intelligent conversation about it, you know? Um, so that's exciting. And we just offered it out to... Like, I just put it on Facebook. Hey, we're doing this. If you want some, inbox me. That's how it happened. What sort of response did you get? It was well. It was a lot more than we had oil. That's for sure. We got a, a phenomenal response from all over the globe. Robin, before we go any further, I just want to clarify. I mean, I know this is basically what you've said, but just for the benefit of listeners, uh, there's a lot of people in Canada that make oil with isopropyl or naphtha, more isopropyl than naphtha. The isopropyl and naphtha that you get in Canada is not the same as in the States. Not even close. Not even close. The stuff in the States is not safe to use. Yeah, the stuff in the States. And, you know, and I I mean, I'm always on the fan. I have, I can go, I mean, we could, the whole show could be about like. You you know how you and I are about solvents. Whatever you want to use, use it, you know. Yeah, I think that like whatever, just know who's making your product. Know who's you know? making your product, what it's made of, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I mean, I know there are yeah. people in and the States. Like, also remember, if you're using a product that's been pulled through naphtha or isopropyl alcohol, even though they've pulled it all out, if you're leaving it closed, it's recondensing itself. So whatever trace amounts of that product are in the, the concentrate, they're, they're going to come up to the, fir- the surface when it's, when it's condensed and sealed, right? So just make sure that you keep your stuff, like before you use it, you just air it out for a minute. Give it, give it a breath, like it was a fine wine. What breath. is what is the difference between the um, isopropyl alcohol in the states and Canada? Yeah, I don't I know exactly. I think there's all these additives, isn't there? In yeah, the one, yeah, we don't care about chemicals in our country. We just like we like <laughs> our people. It feeds our medical system. So you know, everyone's really in bed with each other in the U.S. You know, and like that way the um, the AMA and the FDA—they're all good friends. You know, they're working together to ensure that the American population is sick. It's my understanding too that you can go and buy for sake of argument, Joe's isopropyl alcohol at uh, Walgreens. And you can go back two weeks later and buy that same product and it'll have different ingredients. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, I would hope to shout that the manufacturers of those products are going to have some kind of standard of excellence, but I I really don't I did hear that somewhere. I don't know. At any rate, beware if you're in the States, it's not the same as Canada. Robin, for people who want to make their own, uh, what would you suggest besides doing a heck of a lot of research? Well, I think that slow down is the first thing. Slow down. And just slow down. (laughs) There's some great YouTube videos. My favorite one is um, The Skinniest Lady Alive. Uh, She makes a small batch of cannabis oil in her kitchen with just one ounce of, of flour material. She makes, you know, three to five grams in the kitchen. And I think that if you if you have no experience at all, that's a great way to start. You know, start with one ounce. Yeah, it's kind of like watching Martha Stewart. Yeah. I know yeah, the one you mean. Exactly 
like watching more. And the other thing is like, you know, demystify it. It's really the, you know, the hard part about it is that you might blow yourself up. You know, you really can't fuck it up though, besides, you know, destroying yourself and blowing down your entire environment. And that's just really good safety practice, right? I mean, exercise common sense, go slow, make sure your environment is well ventilated, start with a small amount. And, you know, trust your instinct. Whatever you make, it's going to be good. Even if it's not like the quality of somebody who's professional, it's still going to be vibrationally in alignment with what you need and who you are. You know, a lot of times people will call me and they'll be like, I made my own oil. I'm not getting better, blah, blah, blah. It must be awful, you know, or my aunt made my oil or whatever. And I always say to those people that, you know, intention is 90% of what you're doing, especially herbally. So if their intent was clear, and they were really making that to help you and heal you as you are for yourself, then that's what's going to be there. But if they made it with doubt and insecurity, that's what's going to be there. So really setting your intention before you work with, you know, any kind of plant-based material really kind of helps create that vibrational channel to lock in. Robin, when you set out on this journey to start making cannabis and cannabis-based products to help other people... I was seven years old, so I didn't really like set out on a journey. I just kind of felt like... Life, so and i mean for years i lied to people for years it was the secret ingredient you know i mean i'm a um i'm a world-class neuromuscular structural uh integration therapist i have been giving people this medicine since i've been working and i was 17 18 years old when i started my career do you know when you went first went on facebook and got this incredible response what did your lawyer suggest you do Oh, I still, I love my lawyer. He's very kind. And oftentimes, randomly, he will send me emails asking me to please stop. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, yeah, all of my, my whole law team often every day is telling me to, you know, I mean, if I did what I was told, I wouldn't be doing anything. And what, uh, what, what reason do they give? Incarceration. (laughs) Okay. The first thing that they're concerned about regarding me is incarceration. (laughs) But look, you survived ten years, and you're not in you're not in jail yet. And there, by the grace of God, go I. You know, and I think that you know my my business is built in um, the giveaway, and it's built in paying it forward. So you know, we feel that we are doing something that's greater than making money you know i'm not on the silk road i'm not i'm not selling recreational product to to anyone um so it's a we just feel like we have a blanket of protection with what we do and we're humble you know i'm not going to get out i mean i am i have been not so humble but you know it's definitely we just kind of operate from a humble place and hope that we'll be okay robin out of the hundreds and hundreds maybe even thousands uh of people you've helped give us some examples of some of them that had an impact on you oh i'd say every single one of them impacts me you know there's not it's like these are what i what i get the most out of working with this particular demographic of clientele is how much people live with every day and how we who have no health issues, you know, we take so much of our life for granted. You know, we breathe in and out all day. We don't think about it. And then you stop breathing. And then, oh, my gosh, that breath was valuable. That breath was important. So, you know, I'm impacted always by the tenacity of my clients and their desire to stay on planet Earth and their desire to fight through the insurmountableness of what it is to be ill. 
You know, when you when you have a problem and it's external, like you lost your job or your car broke down or your boyfriend left you or whatever, it, it's still outside of you. So you can you can muck about your day and you know and just complain and and focus on that kind of like drama. But when you're physically ill and you feel like someone's stabbing you in the gut or you're on fire inside from a nerve issue or you just feel like you want to vomit all the time, it's a whole nother ball game to get up and take your kids to school and, you know, go to work and and show up for anything. So it requires a lot from human beings who who hit that place in their life to find their true divinity and their purpose and their reason for being on the planet. And uh, it's always just awe-striking to me to listen to people's stories and watch them find the the warrior within, if you will, you know, and then how they take that, that healing energy and spin it back out into their world and create transformation for everyone they know. Can you relate to that, Corey? Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah Corey's kind of a living testimony of that, isn't, aren't you? I guess I am. I guess I am, yeah. Um, we've certainly uh, w- worked together with a lot of uh, patients and seen some pretty amazing stuff and some pretty horrible stuff, too. You know? Yeah. You know, I'm very fond of saying that cannabis buys time. You know, I am not going to stand up and say, this will cure your cancer. Although I have seen it, I have witnessed that experience. Okay, but that is not the only experience that comes. And there are so many factors in getting well that to say this one thing, this one thing is going to do it for you. So I'm very hesitant about that, but I will say that it buys time. And we just had an experience uh, just recently with a with a four year old where the family through Corey came to me here in California, and they were sent home with their four year old, being told that she had two weeks to live, and uh, she had a, an, an inoperable brain tumor that was pushing on her optic nerve. And she, you know, what do you say to a 27 year old parent who calls you? about his four-year-old daughter Mm -hmm. do you say well that's going to be six thousand dollars to treat your daughter you know i mean some people might but at firebird touch therapy we say come over let's see what we can do for you so we made a um a blend for her and we managed to keep her around for an extra eight months we gave that we were able to give the family eight eight extra months yeah quality time quality time they went to disneyland disneyland you know, the, the little, she had an older brother. He got to play and visit and be with his sister. You know, she really held on very well until she got pneumonia. And that was really what was the turning point for her. So we actually were still keeping that brain tumor in check. But because she was so small and she had had, you know, many other treatments, um, and we are just carbon-based beings. I mean, we are designed to fail. We are very, very delicate things as human beings. Reminds me of the story of that we did an interview with David Hutchinson in Vancouver, and two weeks before his wife died of breast cancer, his 16-year-old daughter was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And um. after uh, his wife died, he did some research into cannabis and uh, gave his daughter some of the scientific uh, papers on cannabis and uh, suggested that they try it. So they were trying it, and uh, she was doing extremely well, and she said when she took the oil, she could feel the fizzing within her head where the tumor was. And he said, that's great, it means it's working. 
She eventually, through a number of scans, it was determined uh, after a couple of years that the tumor was gone. But because she was taking a high THC, she was tired. And as a result, decided that uh, this time being in university, that she didn't want to take it anymore. And uh, the tumor came back and she eventually died. Unfortunate story. But it just shows that cannabis can do some remarkable things that uh, most people are completely unaware of. But as you said, it's not a panacea. It's not a cure-all. It's, no, it's, something- it's a shield. It's a shield. And like in the story you just said, she stopped taking it. The cancer came back. So it truly is, as long as it's in the system, the cancer can't continue its you know, journey of destruction. It creates a shield in the body. Is this helping people is this exciting for you robin or is it just oh, is yeah, it, yeah. just sure, a- I mean, all of it it's it's very exciting and i mean it's like it's it's always awesome when there's a success story and it's always devastating when there's i mean i hate to say that death is not success because you know everything everything is here for a reason and death gives life and sometimes the death of that person their death transitions the lives of those around them so much that their death was a key most important factor for those other people to get what they needed in their life does that make sense yeah so i hate to think of death as um you know defeat but it does feel like it for sure and it's very upsetting and there have been many times when i have just been like fuck this i don't want to do this anymore this doesn't work and so you know after i get over the pity party of that it just drives me deeper into knowledge you know it just drives me deeper into learning and understanding and looking at the people who are you know i'm not a research scientist so I don't spend my time digging into what each cannabinoid does and how it needs to be, you know, like whatever changed and shifted and what gets happened where. But I do read those papers that those people write, and I do absolutely implement them into my um, my knowledge base and my production of my products. Robin, you know, like, that's, I'm sorry. Go on. Just saying, what are your thoughts on pharmaceutical cannabis? Uh, <laughs> question to like ask like what are my thoughts uh, but well i mean they're serious bullshit i mean they're just bullshit i mean can't why that all pharmaceuticals are plant-based medicine period the reason why pharmaceuticals exist were like the whole reason why the whole pharmacy market even came into being was to distribute mass amounts of medicine to large populations of people okay so over time, greed has stepped into that. It has shifted to, you know, chemicals. And what we know about Marinol is that the people who take it get higher than they get high when they use cannabis. And it doesn't necessarily work. It doesn't work. I mean, it doesn't do anything to abate cancer. And oftentimes it will make people feel just as nauseous as they did. We interviewed uh Gooey Rubinsky a couple of uh, days ago, and he was talking about uh, the whole plant offers what he describes as the entourage effect. Yeah. Wh- whereas you don't isolate a specific uh, yeah, I agree. compound. I, and then here we go. This is going to be the next problem that we're all going to face is the intellective man. I mean, first we have greed and then we have intellect. So who else could fuck up something more than a human being who's going to sit in the lab with nothing to do and pull a plant apart? You know, yeah. I mean, people call me all the time now and say, do you have THCA? Because that's what my doctor, that's what they say I need. Well, who's they? My group on Facebook. 
oh, okay, no, I don't have the ability to say, you know, but I will say, like, I do believe the, the, um, the research and the data that's collected on CBD and THC in the conversation of cancer specifically, that they need to be administered at different times. Because CBD is a cleanser of the receptor, and it doesn't allow the THC to bind at the same time in the way that it needs to bind for cancer. So I do absolutely, and I have seen in my my clientele, my client base, that when we separate CBD and THC in cancers, I get a longer, better result from the client than when they do a blend of THC and CBD. That's only in cancer, though. Okay, when I'm talking about another neurological issue, then that's not true at all. Can we uh, go down the hormone-driven breast cancer path? Oh, God, where I can be hung out to dry. Well, boy, oh, boy, it's a tough one, eh? (laughs) It is a tough one. So it's a very tough one. You know, I recently, like I was, uh, you know, the thing about the position that I sit in uh, and all physicians, I would like to just, you know, have a moment for everybody who's in medicine um, that, you know, we're just human beings, man. And, you know, your doctor is is governed by the ethics uh, and the laws of their licensure to say certain things to you. They cannot get airy-fairy with you. They cannot tell you the hows and the whys of the whatever. They can only give you the most devastating data available because we have sued them so many times, at least in America, we have made their malpractice exponential, all right, that they can't say anything except for this is what I can treat you, this is what it will do, and this is when you'll die. And that's it. So cut your physician a break, first of all, and and cut us who make the oil a break too, because, you know, at the end of the day, really the decision is, is your contract between you and the creator. So the, you know, sort of, that's a long answer to the hormone driven breast cancer, which, you know, research shows us that THC develops tumors in this type of breast cancer. It feeds the tumor. So there needs to be a higher dosage of CBD and a lower doses of THC. Now, what are these exact numbers that make this happen? Well, the most popular one circulating is uh, two to one or three to one, right? Mm-hmm. right? 3% CBD, 1% THC. Yeah. But again, every single person is a thumbprint and they're in an individual. So is that the truth? I don't know. I can't say it. You know, I do think that it needs to be, you need to have THC present to kill cancer, you know, yeah. it needs to lower and you do need to have the the for some reason because of the hormonal effect the cannabinoids and just that molecular strain address that type of cancer better when i was in prague um i had a couple of informal conversations uh with uh you know in quotations people in the know about this whole hormone driven breast cancer thing and uh i heard all the answers three to one two to one take them apart, take them together. But what really came out of all those conversations is the fact that no no two people are alike. What's going to work for one person is not necessarily going to work for the other. Right. And, and that's like, um, that, and that's the key right there. So, you know, the, so that brings me to the circle conversation of dispensaries, which I, I am not a fan of, you know, I'm just not a fan of them. You walk into a dispensary, you've got a 20 something year old person behind the counter, you know, God bless the millenniums. They know what they know, but they don't know. They're not, they're not medically driven and they're just selling products that they don't even know who they came from. Right. Mm-hmm. 
So if you are using cannabis as medicine to do things like address your uh, life-threatening illness, I really highly suggest you, you, if you're not making it yourself and doing your own research, you're working with somebody who's willing to work with you. You know, uh, here at um, Firebird, we work with each person individually. Even if there's 350 of them, I'm having a conversation with every single person at least once, two or three times during the course of their treatment until we get a point where they're, where they're, they're, they're stable in the medicine. And what I like to tell people is, you know, you're using the right amount when you can, when you feel better and you can function in your life. If you are drooling on the freaking ass couch, you are taking too much. Okay. If you are not feeling better and still not sleeping, you are taking too little. Just like Goldilocks, you kind of like have to hop from beds to bowls until you find the right mix. (laughs) (laughs) Here's an issue that Corey and I talk about uh, privately because she, as you know, deals with uh, lots and lots of people. And one of the things that strikes me as extremely humorous and frustrating is Corey recommends to people who say, I don't want to get high. Well, you can take it rectally. And they say, there's no way I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. okay people are especially in america people are afraid of their butthole i mean like you know there's so much baloney (laughs) you know it's like ridiculous like they're all like because it's now it's become you know in in music and media it's become a sexual organ right and Mm -hmm. before it was a taboo organ right so like the whole that's no wonder there's so much anal cancer we're also like uptight in the ass right so the deal is that you know i i tell people like that to um do you want to answer your phone no um i uh tell them to use it topically but the other real question that you need to ask people is are you willing to do what it takes to get well well, you see, Robin, um, one, I think probably what Ian's thinking about particularly is, um, I had a gentleman up here who's got penile cancer and is facing amputation of his entire penis. And, right. uh, tell that. well, maybe he doesn't need his penis, you know, maybe he's got a phenomenal tongue. That's what I thought when I read that. <laughs> penis you know so he obviously has some sexual issues if he has cancer of the penis you know i mean i believe i don't believe that we get cancer because we're a bad person although there are some horrible people that you just know are going to get sick and the reason why they get sick is because they inside of themselves are making them sick and that is why they are horrible so whatever we have whatever you know there's a teaching in my culture that's give with your emotions hold with your physical body receive with your mind and determine with your spirit and so many of us are emotionally holding i can't feel that you're not touching my ass right and it's all these closed symbols like well like maybe if you ask the guy who's going to lose his penis were you raped as a child is that why Mm -hmm. you're afraid to have your to touch your butt then we could you know there might in that be some massive healing for him where he can share that story and release that shame guilt and pain right yeah and then maybe sticking something up his ass won't be so horrifying to him but you know then you also hit against the religious paradigm so people you can only treat people where they're at and you know my business is called firebird touch therapy for a reason because i'm not going to pet your head and give you a glass of water and tell you it's going to be okay i'm going to fucking light your ass on fire you know and you will be consumed by 
deny it and then reborn if you so choose to desire. Because that is the only way, I'm sure, Corey, in your healing journey, you had to come to Jesus with a whole lot of situations, feelings, experiences of your own life and release them and forgive yourself in those situations. Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a journey, you know. Um, it's, yeah, so that it's, is really the only way to healing, Yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't know if you caught our interview with Paula Doyle, but she certainly alluded to that, too, that, you know, it's um, a journey that comes from within, and you heal with, from within. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. Robin, is there a dark side to, to cannabis at all? <laughs> yeah, take too much, and then call me at 2 o'clock in the morning when you don't listen to my instructions. That's a dark side for me because I'm sleeping. Like, you know, the funny thing about it is like, it's like, this is like, you know, like a the size of a grain of rice. I, I hate that image. And because it's like, what, what rice, you know, Basmati, Uncle Ben. So, and then the other pieces that people are like, well, th- there's no way that that amount can do anything. There's just no way. So, and then they take a glob of it and they're high, like high in a horrible way not able to get up their heart is racing they're you know feeling like they're going to vomit they're sweating because they took too much because they didn't listen to instructions i'm well, laughing at ian right now Corey's uh, pointing her finger at me because that was me <laughs> <laughs> that was him <laughs> i have you dumbass crack me up you know and the truth is so for everybody because like you know and that's part of what makes this so scary you know first of all you have you might have to take it rectally second you might get it. and that's what people mean when they say i don't want to get high they don't mean i don't want to like feel like relaxed they mean i don't want to get on the magic bus that i can't get off of for six or eight hours and that really is an awful experience so you know those people i always say well you can use it topically because 60 percent of the it absorbs instantly into the blood system topically and the other 40% takes up to 12 hours to get in okay so and that's going to slow it down it's a great way to like you know kind of get your receptors primed basically and sort of ease people into it yeah ease people into it make them feel a little like okay it'll be okay robin in your business firebird touch therapy what is the biggest medical issue that people have when they come to see you well, I, um, for some reason, deal a lot with childhood brain cancer. So, um, and, and maybe it's because I worked in pro sports for such a long time and I dealt with concussions that I just have this relationship to the brain. Uh, but there is way too much childhood DP. Is it DPI? Is that DIPG. Yeah, DIPG. Yeah, I call it DIPG. You know, yeah. um, I was, I've, I say often to people, um, out of 30 phone calls that I get, from parents, 29 of those will be with kids with brain tumors. Yeah. And that's, boy, oh boy, it's an ugly thing. It's just so ugly. Why are there so many brain tumors today? Oh my gosh, who knows, you know? Well, I have a theory on why there's so much more cancer, at least in America. That is that, you know, America was a hemp-driven country until 1932 and Prohibition. And that's when um, Dow Chemicals um, started milling cotton. And realizing that, you know, it was a much more financially lucrative fabric than hemp. And so hemp became, it, it, it left all streams of our, of our body and our nutrition at that point. And also William Randolph Hearst uh, had 500,000 acres of land in Mexico taken away from him. Therefore, he uh, wanted to get back at uh, the Mexicans, Mexican government. 
And uh, he went along with Harry Anslinger and his program to stigmatize and demonize uh, marijuana, Reefer Madness. Oh, yeah, that was a funny film. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I know. I know. See, so it's all been like, I mean, this is like cannabis has been prevalent in our existence as human beings for always and since always on every single continent in every single culture. It has been prevalent. So just into up until, you know, the last 1932, what is that, 80 years, 100 years? You know, we're close to coming up on, on 100 years of that. Um, has it been out of our system in our life? So it's a very powerful plant, and I really do believe it's a divine plant. And it has a way of speaking to the, to the whole world. So, and it just didn't want to be quiet for any longer. So it's just coming back to where it belongs. With the recreational marijuana being sold along with medicinal marijuana in California, what is going to happen in terms of public interest within uh, with this plant? Well, let's remember that California had the Compassionate Use Act that um, was voted in in 1996. Yeah, 96. So we've had, you know, cannabis has been prevalent in our culture and our economy, you know, mildly since then. And I think that it's not going to really, I think that what's going to happen for us as all of our growers, because we're such a great growth state, you know, the, the, I, I don't think that corporate farming is going to have much of a chance up in Northern California, but it's already got its fist in down here in Southern California. But there is no greater weed grown in the world than Humboldt County. And those guys have been dug up in there for a very long time and lived through a whole bunch of prohibition. So they have been getting their self together for much time. And I think that they're going to just um, emerge as like, you know, I think that California will emerge as the, you know, cannabis capital of the world, much like we were the wine capital of, you know, Amer- America as well. Uh, in conclusion, uh, Robin, tell us about your business, Firebird Touch Therapy, and, and uh, give us your website so people can uh, contact you. Well, it's firebirdtouchtherapy.com. And, uh, you know, we are um, a holistic-based practice company that is all about allowing and helping people actualize their authentic self. And uh, using cannabis as medicine is just one of the things that we do. Robin, it was good of you to join us. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, it was super fun, man. It's been great having you on, Robin. Thank you. I love you, Corey. I appreciate very much being asked. Uh, I love you, too. Before we sign off this episode, just a reminder, if you'd like us to continue with these podcasts, please go to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and make a pledge. The donation can be big or small, a one-time donation, or a monthly donation, whatever you like. All donations are greatly appreciated. Help us in our mission to help others. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 
Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while, while we, we break, break it all down. down.